Blog Talk Radio. This land is mine. God gave this land to me. This brave and ancient land to me. Shabbat to one and all. I want to begin um, our program just talking a little bit about uh, Israel because there is such a clamor to establish a Fakistanian state uh, that uh, I, I think it's important to have a little contract discussion. Uh, when uh, I, the Brits, after World War One, uh, recognized that Kaim Weizmann had saved them both through uh, the discovery of synthetic rubber so they could actually move their vehicles on uh, on tires rather than on wood spokes, uh, and then smokeless gunpowder. Uh, he asked for uh, for one thing in return, and they granted it to him, which was a uh, uh, the reestablishment of Israel as a uh, as a nation. It was called the the Balfour Declaration, uh, and they agreed to do it. The Brits controlled the land because, well, they had. Uh, uh, confiscated it, if you will, uh, when they were battling the uh, Ottoman Turks uh, as part of World War One, and the Ottoman Turks lost. It's interesting also the Ottoman Turks went against Saudi Arabia and tried to destroy Mecca in the midst of that war. Uh, but uh, as a result of that, there was a contract. The contract was breached. Uh, Muslim nations screamed bloody murder that even though they were given fiefdoms like Saudi Arabia uh, and uh, Iran, Iraq were all carved out, Syria, Jordan, all carved out at the same time uh, with uh, Israel being essentially the size of Israel today and most of Jordan. Uh, the uh, the deal was reneged on by the Brits who uh, cannot be trusted and who are exceedingly uh, anti-Semitic for the most part. Uh, then we uh, we come to uh, to the consequence of that, which is that uh, when Jews were being slaughtered in Europe and throughout Europe, it's, it's not a Nazi problem; it is a European problem. The the worst were actually uh, the Ukrainians, followed by the uh, the Greeks and the Poles, but it was universal throughout uh, all of Europe. Gross anti 
anti-Semitism and covetous greed where uh, people wanted to confiscate Jewish property and, and homes mm-hmm. as they did. And as a result of that and uh, having the Brits having reneged on the Balfour Declaration, so there was no Jewish state, no place for Jews to go, as they boarded planes and boats, America shooed them away. Uh, as did most countries in the world. There was no place for them to go, and therefore they were locked into um, Europe, where they were hunted down and uh, and killed to the tune of six million of them in concentration camps. And it is a scar on Europe that Europe still doesn't mm-hmm. own up to, because Europe is now trying to destroy Israel with their uh, love for Muslims. Uh, as they are progressives. So after the end of the war, that the failure of the, uh, of the League of Nations, the United Nations is formed, and one of the earliest uh, businesses is to actually establish a state of Israel. And uh, the moment it was established, rather than accept the, uh, the borders of 1948, Uh, Muslim nations, almost as a whole, with very few, if any, exceptions, decided that they were going to obliterate Jews and uh, wipe Israel off the map. And so they attacked, and Israel fought a two-year war for its very survival uh, against unbelievable odds, and they won. uh, Fortunately for them, they were fighting a very stupid enemy. Islam dumbs people down. Uh, where they're vicious, uh, and they'll fight to the death, they just aren't very bright. Uh, you, just, you can't be an intelligent Muslim. The Quran is the dumbest book ever written. And so uh, the moment they, they fought to prevent Israel from existing, they reneged on any chance they would have had to reestablish the original borders. Just over. You blow it. You know, it's you. Uh, somebody offers to sell you a uh, a property, and uh, you uh, you say, no, I, I'm I'm not going to accept those terms. And what I'm going to do instead is I'm going to kill your sons and daughters, uh, and I'm going to try to burn your uh, your house down. And then at the end of it, and said, well, because you uh, didn't allow me to do those things. Now uh, you need to uh, to give me what uh, we had originally discussed. I mean, that's insane. Yeah. So uh, that wasn't enough because in uh, 1967, uh, Muslim nations decided that they would achieve what they failed to achieve in 1948, and they decided that they would attack uh, Israel uh, collectively. Uh, and they lost. So this idea that, you're, that Saudi Arabia, United States, and other countries talk about reestablishing uh, a uh, not reestablishing, creating a, uh, a, a second state based upon 1967 boundaries. How do you do that when they tried to? They didn't accept those boundaries. They tried to destroy Israel, and they did it again in 1974. Then there was two uh, Lebanon wars, once against the PLO, the other one against uh, Hezbollah. There's been two intif- intifadas. And 
then there's this notion that that uh, Israel is an occupying force. What are they occupying? They certainly as hell weren't occupying Gaza. They pulled out of Gaza, and look what happened as a consequence. And even in Judea and Samaria, the Oslo Accords say nothing uh, against Israel building homes and land that they own, that they have purchased and that they own. And there's nothing controversial about building a home, no matter what the U.S. State Department says and said even today. It's a very positive thing to do, and there is no agreement against Israel doing it. And Israel is not occupying any of the areas that are supposedly controlled by the Palestinian Authority, which is nothing but the PLO, which is a terrorist organization. Mm-hmm. The, the line that is drawn isn't even a border. As part of the Oslo Accords, it's an armistice line. It says you don't cross this line with the intent to kill people on one side or the other. Of course, uh, the fake Estonians, uh erased that line when they, uh, they launched the first two uh, intifadas against uh, Israel. So there is no claim. There is no claim of any sort that anyone can raise. And to have a land be considered occupied, there has to be a, a prior established government and sovereign with a government in that land that can show that this land was theirs. What's called the West Bank is called the West Bank because it was an unincorporated area that Jordan kept as a large outdoor prison. But they didn't bring it into uh, Jordan, and they most certainly didn't afford the Fakistanians, who were even called Fakistanians at the time, a state. No established state, no claim for occupation. The same thing is true in Gaza, which was an outdoor prison held by the Egyptians, not incorporated into Egypt, no rights for those people, no government for those people, and therefore the claim couldn't even be made in Gaza if Israel decided to occupy it. So there is no occupation, there is no apartheid, there is no colonization. None of these claims are true. And to carve out a second state out of Israel that has too little land and is obviously indefensible already is far worse than what Neville Chamberlain did prior to the beginning of World War II. At the time that he gave the high ground of Czechoslovakia to Adolf Hitler and the Nazis, the Nazis hadn't declared war and they hadn't unleashed a war against anyone. But... Now, the people that the United States and Europe want to give a state to have terrorized Israel in all manner of ways for the very existence of Israel as a nation. In fact, their war against Israel goes back 1,400 years to when Mohammed moved into a Jewish town with 30,000 Jewish residents and systematically exiled the first group stole their property. The people that he had exiled, he then hunted down and terrorized and then murdered, raping the women and enslaving the children in the last community of Jews in Yathrib. He collectively lined everybody up, cut off their heads one after another, 
raped their women, and enslaved their children. This war has been going on for 1,400 years. The problem is not Hamas. It's not Hezbollah. It's not the PLO. It's not Fatah. It's not Iran. Islam. It is the most vicious, deadliest, most disgusting, immoral, irrational, ignorant religion ever conceived. And I say that not as an opinion, not to be pejorative, but as a statement of provable fact. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, as it relates to proving that fact, uh, as uh, I announced, um, I think, a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, uh, volume one of Goddamn Religion, Snake, was written and then rewritten, uh, became 150 pages longer because I took all the softness out of it. And I have deep enough into Islam, I've now translated uh, 76 surahs in their entirety, first word to last word, and over 100 surahs uh, I, to a majority, only 114 of the Quran. Uh, And as a result, I know every word of that damn religion. And every word of the God-forsaken Quran, which is the biggest piece of shit ever perpetrated on humanity. It is absolutely disgusting. It's it's demonic, it's demeaning, it's it's enslaving, it's ruthless. It supports everything from pedophilia to incest to rape to mass murder. Allah demands that Muslims fight and kill for him. And that war is open-ended to the end of time. Yes. This is not a doctrine that can live in harmony with the world under any circumstances. And for the stupid progressives that are fanning the flames of Islam because they hate Jews and want to destroy Israel, wake up. You're on the wrong side of this one. But it's ubiquitous. They, uh, they can't help themselves. Uh, and it's almost a religious zeal uh, mm-hmm. that uh, inspires them to, uh, to lie, to promote an agenda that is so destructive and uh, completely and totally untrue. Exceedingly um, sad what we're watching around the world. But it is exactly what yes. Yahweh told us was going to happen. Um, and so we're witnessing the last 10 years of the world as we, well, I can't even say as we've known it, because it has changed so rapidly in the last five years that the world is not the world that we knew five years ago. COVID changed everything, and, and then 10-7 doubled down and changed it all again, particularly for Israel and Jews, and put us in a position where we're headed to war. Uh, and so did uh, the United States. Um, belligerence mm-hmm. against Russia and, uh, and Ukraine. Um, everything has changed, and it's going to be a very rapid demise. Now, I was told uh, by um, Dee, uh, based upon uh, a, a young Jewish man that you've gotten to know and respect, really, uh, tremendously, uh, that uh, he was part of a... Uh, um, uh, or chatting with uh, with fellow Jews, mm-hmm. 
uh, and uh, a group of Jews uh, made contact with him uh, out of Israel. And they were telling uh, him, because in, uh, among young Jews now, outside of the Herodim, which are brainwashed and lost, uh, there is a, um, a very pervasive bias against the rabbis. They know mm-hmm. that the yes. rabbis uh, have no interest in the people, only their pocketbooks. For example, mm-hmm. rabbis have a new scheme, which is if you want to attend a synagogue, you are not free to do so. You have to purchase a membership. Yes. And so yeah. uh, the young people in Israel are, are now open to someone telling them how the rabbis have deceived them. And they are hungry to know what it is about Christianity that caused Christians to perpetrate the Holocaust. And they're hungry to know what is it that drives Muslims to the point of insanity where they become murderous monsters. Yeah. And so this community... Uh, reported that that uh, there have been places where they've seen people gathered around this book, where this <laughs> guy uh, had the the audacity to hold the rabbis accountable and to explain how they had misled Israelites, and at the same time had openly exposed and condemned Christianity and Islam and was calling God's people back home. Yep. Now, there is only one such book, it's actually a series of books, one such person <laughs> in the world. And this is the hope. This is why we write. This is, again, now it's Yahweh's responsibility, but uh, as I said, uh, you know, uh, Goddamn Religion won has been written and uh, rewritten. It's now uh, 800 pages, and I would strongly encourage every covenant member to read it and be prepared to defend Jews against Islam and progressives. Goddamn Religious two, uh, Religion 2 is uh, 800 pages long, uh, and it has uh, been uh, published, can be purchased at uh, uh, Amazon royalty-free or uh, distributed freely uh, based upon the online presence at yadayad.com. I am uh, 400 pages now into Goddamn Religion Volume 3. Uh, it used to only be a little over 400 pages when I started. It's now 830 yeah. pages. Uh, so the faster I, I, <laughs> I run, the further I get from the finish line, it seems. Uh, but the book is vastly more complete and condemning of Islam. And it is stunningly evil. I'm, I am a huge antagonist to Paul, Peter, and Christianity mm-hmm. and have written four volumes uh, completely destroying uh, the myths of Christianity and its anti-Semitic diatribes. But... Paul, who contradicted himself hundreds of times, thousands of times, was a horrible writer, uh, an extremely mean and sadistic person uh, who probably uh, 
violated uh, a thousand logical fallacies in his uh, in his letters. Was a friggin' genius by comparison to Allah and Muhammad. These two clowns <laughs> are not uh, articulate. They are not lettered. They are uh, most sentences mm-hmm. lack verbs, prepositions, pronouns, mm-hmm. uh, wow. and what's left is just garbage. So no one should feel any sorrow for totally destroying the credibility of Islam. It is not only a declaration of war against all mankind, uh, and it not only supports the deprivation of rights for women, it even deprives Muslims of their rights because every Muslim is a slave. And there is no moderation in this religion. You're either a jihadist or Allah hates your guts and has committed to torture you forever. All right, so enough of uh, where we uh, are. I'll continue to make progress on Goddamn Religion 3. Um, I hope that once I'm finished with the second Mismore, I do have some other long Mismore, not Mismore, the the second uh, Surat, as I call them now, Suratans, that it will go a little (laughs) faster. I I do have uh, considerable... Uh, translating to do, though, as we uh, make our way through um, many of the long surahs that are the early surahs that were revealed during that period. So it'll take a while, but I'd like to do the job as well as possible. And and uh, um, I'm not copying and pasting uh, or even blending translations, but now producing my own based upon the materials uh, that are the tools that are available to us. All right, let's uh, let's return to the coolest dude who ever lived. Um, he is <laughs> the most articulate man in human history, uh, likely the brightest, flawed though, which is comforting since otherwise we would look pretty pale by comparison. Uh, he was given more responsibility than any one man could uh, could possibly manage, and he did crumble under the uh, responsibility. He was very, very effective partnering with Yahweh at defending Israel, uh, fought in 66 defensive battles, won 66 defensive battles to protect God's people. Uh, the difference what happens if, uh, if you are with Yahweh or not with him. There was uh, some idiot today that was saying, you know, the difference in, uh, in what's happening in Israel today uh, Gaza versus uh, uh, what the Hamas did outside of Gaza and Israel is that their God is with them on the battlefield and our God is not. Uh, that's partially true uh, and partially, of course, false. Uh, Islam doesn't actually have a God. Um, Allah is the snake that slithered out of the garden. Formerly a Karub that uh, Yahweh downgraded to a snake and yet he still managed to beguile more than half the world's population. Uh, and they do take him everywhere. They, they actually believe that this wannabe God, who has never done anything for anyone and is dumber than a reptile, is, uh, is there with them. I actually believe it. 
And of course, the Jews can't take their God with them because they don't know their God. There's not even one one hundredth of one percent of Yehudim that know Yahweh. And so Yahweh would be delighted to partner with his people as he did with Dode, and they would win every battle, and the people would be safe. But that requires Israelites coming to know him first. So this man that we're talking about, that was so incredibly articulate, um, he was the ultimate Renaissance man. A Renaissance man is a, is a fellow that can do it all. He was a poet. He was a lyricist. He was uh, a spectacular author. Uh, he was a singer-songwriter. Um, he was uh, a prophet, a world-class prophet. Um, he uh, was a, uh, a military leader uh, in the defense of his people. He was a king. He was anointed as the Messiah by Yahweh. He was the one person that God said, he is my son, I am his father. Uh, that's a pretty full resume. I guess. And it is a delight to be able to read what he wrote, considering that I spend 12 to 14 hours a day poking holes in what Allahu, Allahi, uh, Allah, uh, Rahman, Rahim, uh, and Rabbi of Islam and Muhammad had to say. So turning uh, to back to where we were a couple of weeks ago, we'll, we'll reprise the first three statements before we move forward. Uh, Bismar 2.1 reads, well, it's a question. For what reason, Lama, do, and this is from Ragash Goyam, do noisy, confused throngs of scheming and rebellious Gentiles gather together to conspire in open defiance. The people who are transformed while massing under an antiquated and unifying religious, political, and conspiratorial leader choose to plot and to speak in vain, deluded in their fantasies. It appears to me that uh, Dode was brought forward in time and has witnessed what happened mm-hmm. On 10-7 and how the world responded to it. Yes. Yeah. And he has written this indictment of Muslims and progressives, Americans, yeah. Europeans, Middle Easterns. And he's asking a question: What is it with these confused and noisy, scheming and rebellious Gentiles who are conspiring and openly defiant? What is it with them? Part of that uh, answer to that question is uh, why good leaders delegate. Uh, when Dode returns, the condemnation and, uh, and uh, judgment of Muslims and Islam is something he's going to delegate. There is no reason whatsoever for him to waste the time that I have now. It's you know, going on six years of my life learning Islam so I can expose it and condemn it on behalf of God's people. But fortunately, Dode seems to have my number, and uh, I am a compliant one when it comes to serving a man who I hold in such high esteem 
and I've already done this work. So I expect to be uh, answering that question. Then the rest goes on. The people who are transformed while massing under this antiquated and unifying religious, political, and conspiratorial leader choose to plot and scream in vain, deluded in their fantasies. It didn't take much for anyone who knows the Torah to know that Muslims are wrong. And largely because rabbis trying to make a buck sold Talmud mm-hmm. recitals of the... Uh, the, uh, their repositioning of the Torah's characters uh, to Muhammad. It's mentioned in probably 30, 40, 50 different uh, surahs and verses uh, where Muhammad and Allah are all bent out of shape because they actually charged for these recitals. And then when Muhammad and Allah goofed them all up, they mocked them. Mm-hmm. And they created the animosity that exists between Muslims and Jews, rabbis, to make a buck. I'm sure you've heard that before. Mm-hmm. Rulers of the earth, solely on their own initiative, continually set themselves up. Those who govern lay a foundation to conspire and rebel, all together against Yahweh and against his anointed Masayak. Uh, Islam is uh, is war with Yahweh, war against Yahweh. And, you know, there's places in the Quran that that uh, it actually says the name Yahud. And really? while while declaring the name Yahud, uh, Allahi Allaha, at the same time is saying. Yeah, I was the one that handed down the uh, the Torah. I was their God. I favored them, and then I, well, they I didn't like them anymore, so I want to kill them. Well, the moment you say the name Yahud, you've acknowledged that Yah was their God. Yeah. <laughs> Allahi. How could you be so stupid? Mm-hmm. Uh, nonetheless, yeah. they are. But Islam is war against Yahweh and his people. Mm-hmm. But it's also against his Messiah. Because everything that exists in Islam is to prevent the return of Yahweh and Doug. The only issue, that only point that uh, Allahi Allahu brings up with Tremendous regularity, probably four or five hundred times, maybe more, and which is a lot since there's only 114 surahs, uh, is his day of doom, resurrection day, judgment day, where uh, uh, he claims that uh, he's going to dispatch virtually everybody to the fires of hell. And this is his way of precluding Yom Kippurim. He wants to kill every Jew and enslave and deceive every other person so that there's nothing for Yahweh to come back to. If there aren't Jews in Israel expecting Yahweh's return on Yom Kippurim, there's no reason to come back. It would mean that the prophecies of this celebration where Yahweh returns with the one that they pierced 
and that they finally recognize him and weep for him as you would weep for an only child. It's Dode. He was the Passover lamb. And if there aren't a goodly number of wonderful Yehudim and Israelites there to greet Yahweh and Dode by name on Yom Kippurim in year 6000 Yah, 6.22 p.m., October 2nd, in Jerusalem, in year 2033, just 10 years from now. Then there is no return, and, and Yahweh will have failed for the first time on a prophecy. Now, he isn't going to fail. He's seen the future. We do prevail. But at this point, it's mono uh, all, uh, against Satan now. I mean, that's what it is. We are vying for the lives of God's people. And you got an old guy on one side and a really old snake on the other. And we win. And it's not a fair fight. But that's what we're doing this for. That's why I want everyone who is part of the covenant to read these books and be prepared to defend mm-hmm. Israel because we are fighting over these next 10 years to have a meaningful number of Yehudim celebrating the return of Yahweh. It'll make eternity better for everyone. So yeah. that's why we're doing this. Christianity, of course, just simply replaced the Messiah and Son of God with a myth named uh, Jesus. It was a complete farce. And uh, Judaism uh, began by foisting a false messiah, Bar Kokhba, on uh, the Jewish people, causing the diaspora. So all three religions, with Muhammad claiming to be the messiah, better even than the messiah, the last of the the messengers and messiahs and prophets to to come. You've got three... uh, quote-unquote, Abrahamic religions all committed to fight against Yahweh and his Messiah, none of which will even mention God's name. Hmm. Dode's assessment of where we are today is accurate and it is astute. You cannot say that we have not been warned. Let us choose of our own volition to break and pull off their bonds, which trap and ensnare, and desire to cast off and throw away from us twisted and interwoven threads, which bind and immobilize. Ms. Moore Psalm 2-3. You know, the, the yoke that has been the most uh, controlling and debilitating to Jews, the the bonds which have trapped and ensnared more Jews than any other, keeping them from knowing Yahweh, keeping them out of the covenant, keeping them out of heaven. Judaism. Yeah, it's Judaism. It's rabbis. Mm-hmm. That's the snare that has to be pulled off. It's rabbinical Judaism. Nothing has done more to harm God's people than Judaism. And you just look back to the the single worst day in, uh, in Jewish history. It's uh, when uh, Rabbi Akiva, the founder of rabbinic Judaism, 
decided to challenge the myth of the Christian Messiah with a Messiah of his own, Bar Kokhba. Mm-hmm. And in so doing, he brought Rome's wrath upon the province of Judea, and they destroyed it. And they renamed it Philistina. And they crucified hundreds of thousands of Jews. And those they didn't crucify, they hauled off in the Dysporus slaves. And rather than learning the lesson and apologizing for what they had done to their own people, the rabbis continued to make Jews so different than everyone else and so weird by comparison that all manner of myths were perpetrated against God's people. And they are the ones who hid Yahweh's name and they're the ones that plastered over his Torah with their Talmud, which they have the audacity to call a Torah. And look what they've done to the Herodim. I mean, I'm not certain that in the million Herodim that there's a collective IQ that would reach 100. They are dumbed down to the point where they're hopeless and they're isolated and they're totally lorded over and controlled by the rabbis who also control uh, Jewish immigration. The twisted interwoven thread that binds is the tizit that they uh, display so aggressively. He who inhabits establishing his dwelling place in the heavens holds them in contempt and he will pulverize them. Dota speaking of Israel's greatest menace. Yahweh is not looking at the Goyim. You know, when the Goyim come into Israel, yeah, he's going to say, all right, I'm going to hold them accountable. You can't do that to my people. But when he is speaking of Yahweh in his dwelling place in the heavens, holding someone in contempt, it's a Jew who has worked against God's people. Yahweh ridicules their behavior and mocks their unfamiliar language. What do they speak? Yiddish. Yiddish, yeah. yeah. Dode uh, had it figured. There's no question about it. Yeah. For most of human history, God has um, ignored, really, the political and religious mumblings of man. The lone exceptions have been when man's malfeasance occurred in the promised land or when the suffering of his people became too great for them to bear. What we have not seen is Yahweh scoffing with disdain over the ridiculousness of Jewish behavior and unintelligible stammering. So this is prophetic of the last days. He is condemning the Muslims who have massacred Jews and mutilated them and he is condemning the rabbis who have played such a detrimental role 
and making that possible. Mm-hmm. So I rather enjoy laughing with father and son, even of us being entertained or entertaining to one another. But none of us should ever want Yahweh or his Messiah to laugh at us, to disrespect, no. mock, or ridicule us, as uh, the rabbis have done and progressives have done with their ridiculous portrayals. Do you know one of the things mm-hmm. that is, is, uh, is because there's more Jews against God's people than rabbis? Uh, I was, uh, I, I read one night uh, this week, uh, I didn't sleep for hours. It's one of the most disgusting reports I've ever read. You know yeah. how uh, how uh, Europe and the United States and progressives are all condemning Israel for settler violence and how how they're uh, um, causing the uh, uh, and excusing the Muslim response. Mm-hmm. And Biden actually wrote this whole condemnation. Of, of Jews as settlers and of uh, them harassing needlessly the poor little fake Estenians. You know, it's, uh, it's almost universally a farce. And it's not just yeah. a farce, it's a deliberate farce. What's happening is progressive Jews are getting funding from the U.S. State Department, from the European uh, Union, and from Islamic organizations. And they are deliberately harassing uh, settlers who are there <laughs> tending uh, sheep or orchards. And they are, are there with film crews such that when the harassment becomes such that the Jews must defend themselves, it's only then that they begin filming. Yeah. And so in all of these cases, they bring their own film crews. They they torment the Jews to the point where they have no choice but to respond. And then they record what happens and then they distribute it directly to the U.S. State Department, the European Union and to Islamic uh, news sources. All okay. with a fake narrative. And it's Jews that are running these organizations, Jews Uh condemning Jews, doing so in a Machiavellian approach where they know what they're doing is wrong. As a matter of fact, the narrative that Biden's administration wrote against the settlers was written like the press release these Jewish organizations wrote in their fraud against Israel. I believe this has happened before, even in the time of uh, the rebuilding of Jerusalem, and they halted the building by conspiring against Mm -hmm. other Jews. Yep. They are despicable. Yeah. And, of course, the most outspoken progressive in Israel is Lapid, who uh, is uh, an advocate uh, for giving the fake Estenians a state. Mm -hmm. And that's really what they want. Uh, These organizations want Israel out of the land and uh, the Muslims to occupy it, river to the sea. It's insane. Annihilation of Jews. And the difference is, and, and if you're listening, if you're one of the 50 or 40 percent, I guess it's now about 50 percent of Jews that don't live in Israel, if you lose Israel, 
and you're on the cusp of losing Israel because you're not supporting Israel. If you lose Israel, you're back to exactly the same conditions you were in before the Second World War. You have no place mm-hmm. to go. You've got one hope of surviving Israel. And so when American Jewish progressives side with the mass murderers and mutilators, it, uh, it says that God's people have uh, fallen a great distance from uh, where they, uh, they should be. And we are therefore not writing or calling to them or calling them home. If you are a overtly religious Jew or an overtly progressive Jew, we have no interest in you. Just go away. God has no interest in you. We have no interest in you. You are not going to be part of the covenant. And, and so you're just nothing but an annoyance. But I would warn you that by continuing to work against God's people, you're in a position where rather than your soul simply dissipating to nothingness upon mm-hmm. Dodes and Yahweh's return, you're earning a eternal stay and shield. Yeah. So if you're not going to bother to work on behalf of God's people, to work on behalf of Yahweh and Dod and Yisrael and Yehudim and the covenant family, then stand down and shut up. Mm-hmm. You've got ten more years to live, and then it's over, but that's a hell of a lot better than enduring forever in the place of separation. It was early one morning at the base of Mount Choreb. While Moshe was transliterating the Torah with Yahweh, that the recently liberated children of Israel were led astray by none other than Aaron. At his direction, they fashioned the molten metal bowl out of the jewelry received from the Egyptians and started shock, laughing and playing before it, in essence, uh, mocking Yahweh, disrespecting him. And read this in Shemoth Exodus 32.6. What they did and what political and religious leaders are saying and doing today is contemptible. But it's also laughable. Nonetheless, the idea of God being amused that our leaders are act, actually believe that they have the authority or the ability to speak for him and of him toying with them, even laughing at them, is frankly uncomfortable. But if we were to put ourselves in their shoes, it is how we would react if we watched an imbecilic imam blow himself up uh, and his, uh, before his uh, class of would-be terrorists. Mm-hmm. It is how I respond every time I see a Herodim walking around in their ridiculous black morning suits and wearing their ass hats. I mean, it, 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 when I see a Muslim woman in a tent and then she's pleading for mercy for, oh, I'm starving, 
Well, where's the murdering us? It's genocide. I laugh. Yeah. Her life you isn't worth living. All she is is a terrorist manufacturing facility. You're stupid enough to wear a tent for a man that was a rapist and pedophile? You don't have three neurons that are functioning properly. I'm sorry, it's just the truth. It is. It is. And it's pathetic. I, you know, The reason I wrote the Seratin and shared it with you is that it's so disgusting, sometimes you just got to laugh at it and mock it. In fact, everyone that that knew Mohammed personally mocked him, laughed at him. You know, when Paul, after he'd written all of his letters and he went off to to Rome, he didn't have a single person that believed him. Everyone that heard what he had to say from his own lips rejected him and mocked him. What is it that the the, the contemporaries of these people saw of course, that no one sees today. When uh, Akiba came up with his false messiah, uh, he even claims that he lost uh, about two-thirds of his followers. And the only way that he could respond at that point was to say, well, uh, God plagued them. And then, then he had the audacity to say, if you don't agree with my false messiah, I kill you. Heck with the Romans killing you, I'll kill you. I mean, the people who listened to these Nimrods knew they were lying and mocked them. But one day it will be no laughing matter. Then he will communicate, expressing himself towards them, showing his frustration and resentment. And in his burning indignation, he will overthrow and bewilder them. The earth cannot be saved. Humankind cannot be saved. The covenant family cannot be saved unless Yahweh cleans house, unless he eliminates the religious and overtly political. There is no hope for this planet. We are on the cusp of self-annihilation. And God's disgusted by it. He's disgusted at his people, Judaism, Islam, Christianity, and progressives, conspiratorialists, disgusted by all of them. And so he himself is going to convey that. And you might say, well, you know, Muslims threaten to kill you, and, and yep, threaten to, to do these people in. What's the difference? Well, the difference is he's actually God and is going to do what he said. And the snake is nothing but a snake and has to motivate others to kill for him. If he's actually God and he's going to act as God, maybe you want to listen to him rather than say, oh, that's the same. I'll guarantee you he won't be mutilating, he won't be raping. He won't be screaming Allah Akbar. Although he may say from the river to the sea, my people will be free. This is prophetic of what we should expect in year 6,000 yon, the fall of 2033 on our Roman pagan calendars. Here we find God holding the 
those in leadership positions within society accountable. Before sending the religious and political authorities who misled his creation, while claiming to represent him off to eternal incarceration, he's going to excoriate them. So much for the judge list. Judge not lest you be judged. We are reminded that those who extol the fear of God will come to tremble in fear before him. Those who commend love without hate will come to experience the nature of righteous indignation. And for those who have worshipped a religious God, they will find the real one bewildering. Mm -hmm. The first sentence of this... first chapter of the first volume of observations uh, uh, read long ago. I wrote this. Hate is a virtue. Yes. This idea is in such discord with modern mentality that it is likely shocking for listeners, even though the argument on its behalf was rational and moral. Yahweh just said he hates, and I can tell you he is exceedingly just, compassionate, and virtuous. As a matter of fact, if you don't hate the things that he hates, then you're incapable of being compassionate and merciful. Mm -hmm. That's so true. So God not only hates, he is continually teaching us to express our righteous indignation towards those who harm his children. And mislead his people. This is but one more example of of this. And like father, like son. Uh, If you don't hate what Muslims did on 10-7, and the fact that after doing it and being celebrated for mutilating and raping old women and, and young children and gang raping little girls, mutilating them, torturing them, kidnapping them. If you don't hate Islam for doing this, then you're incapable of being moral. You're incapable of being rational, of being just, of being compassionate. And if you don't condemn these Muslims for going back to parades and then telling the women and children that that will be terrorists and that gave birth to terrorists and raised terrorists to stay put so that you get killed while we hide under your skirts because the world will condemn Israel, not us, for what we have done. You know, if a person doesn't want to move out of the way and wants to keep women and children as cover for terrorist tunnels and terrorist headquarters and terrorist rocket launchers and terrorist uh, armories, then they're not an innocent civilian. They're someone who should pay the price for what happened on 10-7. Absolutely. We have to learn what to hate. Islam is deserving of our hate. Yes. And if you can't learn to hate Islam for the right reasons, then you're out of your mind. 
Now, hating Islam doesn't mean picking up a, a gun and, and acting like they do and go killing somebody. Not what it means. But if you knew it like I knew, know it, and you wielded words wisely, and you openly exposed and condemned it, along with the myth of the fake Estenians, uh, along with the, the history of Islam and what it has done to Jews, then you make it impossible for them to continue to perpetrate terror. They're not welcome anywhere. You would quarantine them just as you would any plague. And Islamic terrorism would be over. Words wielded wisely can make the difference here. And that's what I'm encouraging. But you can't do that unless you shed your ignorance. You have to know the truth. And I think it is a fool's folly to expose and condemn Islam or progressives for their support of Muslims and against Israel unless you first come to know Yahweh and become part of his covenant family. Because at that point, you not only have God on your side, you not only have God uh, aiding and abetting your ability to protect his people, you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. You are vastly more effective. The reason why when rewriting Prophet of Doom is goddamn religion, you know, it's going to be three or four times longer. Because I know Yahweh now. I know the Torah now. I, I know when Muslims are lying, when Allah and Muhammad are lying. And I'm able to hold them accountable to a degree that wasn't possible before. And, you know, this is what I would like to encourage every covenant family member to be able to do. Be able to expose and condemn religion and politics particularly Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, and progressive politics because it's the most lethal to God's people, and conspiracies, while at the same time articulating Yahweh's plan of reconciliation, his timeline, the nature of his covenant, the conditions to participate, uh, what the seven Moed Mikre actually represent, and what they provide to God's family, when they have and will occur, and how Dode fulfilled them mm-hmm. so that they know who Father and Son are and who are returning. This is our job. We only have less than 10 years left. We've got 10 years to invest in doing something that is more important to God than anything in the history of humankind. You know, for us, the fulfillment of Chag Matzah, Pesach, Matzah, and Makorim in your 4,000 years, the most, three most important days in human existence. But not for God. Most important days for God are Teruah, Kippurim, and Sukkah. Mm-hmm. When we, with his support, articulate this message based on Teruah, and he returns with Dode to reconcile his relationship with a remnant of his people on Kippurim, the Day of Reconciliations, so that he can camp out with his family here on earth for a thousand years be- before we enter eternity. 
in the seventh dimension. Ten years. Yeah. To change forever. Just because God has said he has seen the results and that he is pleased with the results doesn't mean that the result is predestined. Right. We still have to do our part to make it happen. He saw that result because of what we did. And the more of us that engage to do this, the greater that result is going to be. Nothing you can do with your life that is more important. What follows could be in Yahweh's voice, but I think it reads more naturally to <laughs> make the transition where Dode announces it. So while all of <coughs> two six <laughs> could reflect God speaking through Dode to us, since the next sentence is unquestionably in Dode's voice and the citation is clearly from Yahweh. Uh, this is likely Dode's intent. Now you might say, what's the big deal? Uh, he's a prophet, so he's speaking for Yahweh. Uh, their mm-hmm. father and son, they share the same agenda. But right. uh, God's um, Works through. exceedingly uh, um, uh, unique in the way that he works, even with the most important person who ever lived, with Dode. Dode got to choose what he would do. He made mistakes and he did things that were brilliant. God empowered him, he enabled him, he enlightened him, fired him, but still he wanted Dode's personality and, and attributes to come through this message because God found that it is much more effective for him to speak through individuals like Dode than it is for him to boom his voice out to the people and scare them to death. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is the message that you know, happened uh, to the children of Israel. So we don't want to hear that voice. We don't see that fire. We don't want to hear it again. Uh, and, you know, uh, Moshe, why don't you filter it for us? And that's what God said. Okay, I'm, I'm good with that. I understand. I'm not here to intimidate you. I'm not here to make it impossible for you to choose not me. And quite frankly, I like working with uh, people. So if I have a chance to communicate with somebody I love working with, like Moshe or Yasha Yah or, or Dode, so much the better. I, myself, have offered leadership, providing counsel through governance. Upon Zion, the signs posted along the way, my set-apart mountain. Yahweh has offered leadership. He has engaged. Uh, he liberated the children of Israel from uh, Egypt. Mm-hmm. Uh, he made it possible for Dode to fulfill Chagmatza. Um, he uh, met with Abraham to enable the conditions and the benefits of the covenant. So God has offered his leadership, but he prefers to have those he loves and has empowered serve as leaders. And so I think this is dope, as I mm-hmm. myself have offered leadership. Uh, 
It's the mm-hmm. uh, the next word is malek. Uh, serving mm-hmm. as king, but mm-hmm. malek also means I provided counsel through my governance. And you might say, well, is Zion Dodes or Yahweh's? And I'd say yes. Both. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yes. Yeah, the signs yeah. posted along the way, uh, Reed Dode was here. Yes. This is what he did. <laughs> yeah. And I'm coming back here. Please join me here. We're going to live side by side. Yes. And Harkot Ashani? Sure, it's Dode Set Apart Mountain. Yes, it's Yahweh Set Apart Mountain. But it's our Set Apart Mountain, too. This is our home. Our home will be on Moria. Mm-hmm. That scar, the two scars that are on it now, will be obliterated. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of people standing uh, in line to obliterate them, and I, I have many times encouraged Israel to use the obliteration of the Dome of the Rock and Oska Mosque to free their uh, their captives. Uh, and yeah. I, I would even now, but but... On uh, October 7th, I would have said, uh, um, our captives are returned to the person, unharmed, and we get the heads of, uh, of Hamas uh, uh, delivered to us within 24 hours, or we will raise the uh, Alaska Mosque. And uh, if you think we're kidding, then the following day I will raise the Dome of the Rock. I will obliterate them. They're an embarrassment to you, to us, and to everyone else anyway. Very strategic. The integration of Dode into the lyrics of his own psalm at this point is important because he's telling those living today that he is providing guidance uh, in this regard and that we'd be wise to consider what he has to say and that he's also providing leadership. He's returning as Masiach and King. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is going to have God's designated authority to provide counsel for humankind to uh, to ponder. He's going to be our shepherd, and there is no question that Dode took this role seriously, pouring out God's guidance through every word he wrote, both in the Mizmor and also in the uh, Mashal. To a great extent, it is Dode's lyrics which were Uh, written on those signs that are posted on Mount Zion. Mount Zion, by the way, is not this mountain that uh, was allegedly uh, called out uh, by Josephus on the the far west side of of what is uh, the limits of Jerusalem that then descends down to the Mediterranean Sea. No, Zion... Mm -hmm is the ridgeline of Mount uh, uh, Moria to Riviera. That is where it is. Yep. It's, Zion runs between where Dode's home was and where Yahweh's covenant home was and will be. And it means signs posted along the way. For those who are anti-Zionist, you are anti-Yahweh. You're anti-Messiah. You're anti-Dode. They are his signs. Two of the most interesting signs, of course, that are posted are the 22nd and 88th Mizmor, which described Doe's fulfillment of Pesach Matzad Bakurim, 
in first person. And then mm-hmm. there's also the 19th and 119th Mismores. The 19th uh, and 119th are both odes to the Torah and speak of the yeah. importance of the, uh, of the Torah. And, of course, one of my favorites, the 91st, uh, which uh, is the reason I would encourage anyone who is going to speak on behalf of Israel and against Islam and progressives and conspiratorialists to become a member of the covenant first because, quite frankly, once you're part of the covenant, you have Yahweh's protection, and that's what the 91st promises. So there may be some who think that it is unseemly for Doe to express himself in this way, but as there is no hint of humility in these words, he's saying it's my mountain and I'm providing the leadership, but it's exactly as it ought to be. Mm-hmm. pridefully and accurately taking credit for his role in uh, bringing man into the covenant through the Torah uh, for the, you know, he has earned this very unique place with yeah. God. Yeah. He, you know, to have fulfilled Pesach, Matzah, and Bakurim, to have served as the Messiah, to have served as the ultimate prophet, to return as the king of Israel, to be the one who is going to anoint the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant to reconcile the relationship on Kippurim, those are really extraordinary things. And it's, uh, if Doe didn't speak of them, he would be doing a disservice to both his father and to his people. In a minuscule comparison, there are many hundreds of references to the work that we are doing today. Where we are called out by name, and that Yahweh explains what specifically he is doing on behalf of his people through us. And if I were to choose to say, you know, it is uncomfortable for me to acknowledge these things because anonymity is so much uh, easier, so much less responsibility, I wouldn't be sitting in this chair 14 hours a day, seven days a week, doing this if I was anonymous. I'd play golf uh, occasionally, go to the beach, walk my dog, you know, uh, have a lovely chat with my wife. But as it is, three meals a day, she sits on my desk, so I don't even have to leave it. You know, I wouldn't be that devoted if Yahweh hadn't made a big deal of saying, I need you to do this for me. I want you to do this for me. Mm. And so Dode volunteered to do the things that he did, and it would have been a disgrace. It would have been such a, a diminishment of what he had achieved if he didn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. And the same thing is true, although uh, admittedly, a billion times less important, but it's important for the moment. It's important to Dode. It's important to Yahweh. And so we ought not run from acknowledging what is true. You know, I have come to love uh, Yahweh's son and appreciate Yahweh's love for his son. 
recognizing that Dode not only wrote the lyrics to observe and celebrate the Torah, but that his life exemplifies the Torah's purpose. Uh, Dee and, and Kirk, can I uh, give this uh, yeah. mic to you for about uh, three minutes, and I will be back? Sure. sure. Thank you. No worries. I really love this section of the Mismore. Yeah, I do too, right? I, uh, I tell you, the, the, the day it was finally so obvious that Dode was the Masiach, and he did all these yeah. things, and it was unmistakable, this is this is who fulfilled Pesach Masa Bakurum. All of a sudden, my, my brain finally emptied out so much garbage that I couldn't quite for it. <laughs> yeah. And say, well, this is it, and it's provable, and you go through, and you go through, and I encourage people who are following along with us to... Uh, it's all right there, and read it. It's just amazing. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, Dode teaches us how to love the Torah and walk it in a very real way that is understandable. I, I like what Dode talks about, the riddles to be solved and seeking hidden treasures in the Torah. I mean, that's what Craig does. Oh, yeah. Um, he's like the lead archaeologist digging, plowing through. <laughs> A gym a week, if not three or four or five. Yeah. So, <laughs> and we get yeah. to glean little little things we all pick up and contribute. Oh, yeah. It's truly a family endeavor and do yeah. it at the helm. It's, it's quite an amazing group he's put together. I'm in awe of all y'all. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot of great people in the family. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well. All right. I really, um, I'll be back. Yeah, but you finish. I was actually gonna. I was just gonna talk about what you were saying about the uh, the ridge line of Sion. I actually shared a link about that today in observation. If anybody wants to read about that, um, it's on my page Shemar Torah, and you can check it out. It's uh, Observations Volume Two, Chapter Two, and it's called uh, Signs Along the Way. If you guys want to read about the location. Yeah, that's, uh, that's in it. fact, I'm del- delighted that you've uh, uh, you've picked uh, Shamar Torah back up. You uh, had dropped it for a while to uh, to promote yeah. uh, uh, the Yada Yah uh, sites, uh, but uh, mm-hmm. Shamar Torah gives you another platform that uh, uh, you can share God's message, and and I appreciate mm-hmm. you uh, you doing that and and really understanding right. the nature of Zion uh, is is important. I mean, yes. There's really very few things as important to God's people than knowing that Dode David is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. That he is the returning king. That right. he fulfilled Pesach and Matzah leading to Bukhorim. That means mm-hmm. that the Romans crucified him on Passover, on Dode. Yeah. Right. Uh, taking the life of his Bashar, physical body. <laughs> and then Yahweh took his soul, allowed his soul, to carry the guilt of every covenant member, of God's people, into Sheol and deposit all of our guilt there so that we look perfect in God's eyes. We have no evidence against us. He did that on Matzah. Awesome. And yeah. as a result, he was the firstborn 
of firstborn children, which is what Bakuda means. And then seven sevens, the promise of seven Shabua, which is also the day the Torah was revealed. Uh, he became, was the first of many to be empowered and enriched, emancipated, and enlightened by God, which is the promise of, of uh, Shabuah. Dode did these things for us, and it is Dode who is the subject of Teruah. There is no mm-hmm. uh, Rosh Hashanah, it's Teruah. Uh, and it means to herald not only a warning that religion and politics lead to death, but also to share this very message of, of what Dode has done and is doing for God's people, because when you understand how he fulfilled each of the seven Moed Mikre and that he is returning on Pesach in, ye- in year 7,000 Yah, mm-hmm. uh, which is October 2nd in that year. Mamadi's dating system was asinine, so Jews have been misled. Uh, if you want to see an accurate timeline, go to yadayah.com. Uh, Dee was instrumental in putting it together, and you will see mm-hmm. under resources uh, the first item there is the timeline. Uh, And it'll tell you exactly where we are on it and and when everything of uh, importance happened. It's it's a perfect timeline in in the sense of every major event uh, happened exactly as God said it would. Yeah, with timeline, it's perfect. It is. So... uh, the signs along the way all proclaim that Dode has done and will continue to do these things for us and that he then will be our leader, our shepherd, our king going forward in, uh, in Sukkah. And again, this is because, well, God's God. He didn't do all of this to, to be king himself. He did all of this to elevate those who chose to love him and become part of his family. And so his favorite son is Dode, and so Dode is, is king. And that is just the way that God works. Mm-hmm. If you don't like Dode, you aren't going to like heaven. And I think it's Mizmore 18 that tells us why it's Dode, that he knows Yahweh best. Yes, it's true. <laughs> it's kind yeah, of simple. <laughs> Plain and simple. He does know Yahweh best. And, but he, he has, there's other reasons too. Um, mm-hmm. Yahweh cho- chose Dode um, for reasons that he says, I, you know, my reasons are different than man's reasons. And the more that you study, you realize that the reasons that Yah chose to do all these things through Dode is that he was fabulously brilliant. We think our way to God. He was exceedingly articulate because... Yeah. The written word conveying in writing what God intends is essential. He was courageous. God's not looking for mushmallows. He likes bold and courageous people. He was passionate and he was dedicated. He was fully cerebral and, uh, and also emotional, passionate. Dode was devoted to the defense of God's people. Um. And so there, there were traits 
that uh, Dode has. When it says, you know, he's a, a person after his own heart, he's not saying that that uh, he was pulling on the heartstrings in terms of emotions. The heart was the seat of judgment. That means that Dode's thinking was very much like God's thinking. If you read Dode's lyrics, he was exceedingly judgmental. Yep. Which is something that God appreciates. He knew what to hate and how to hate. He knew who to love and how to love. So while we recognize that Dode is Yahweh's chosen one, that is not to shortchange the rest of us. As Yahweh's most beloved child, as the chosen leader of his people, reflecting his father's nature, Dode will freely share with the rest of the family what has been given to him. Moreover, while the earth is big and the universe bigger, they are infinitely smaller than our future home in the seventh dimension. There's lots of room to move around. And Yahweh is consistent, which means if he's doing these things with and through Dode, he will do these things with and through the rest of his children. You can play as big a leadership role or as little a leadership role as you want in eternity. Uh-huh. You know, if you make yourself available, uh, God will put you to work. Yeah, <laughs> that is so true. That is, you know, there was a period of time where I was thinking, okay, um, I get to retire in, um, in 10 years, and uh, <laughs> won't that be fun? I'm just going to slink off and uh, and uh, with my wife and some friends, you know, I'm, I might take a, a full year and just hang out on uh, on this little island that I live in now without all the creeps here. Just just, you know, uh, some good friends and and uh, and and relax. I might just veg. But uh, that's not yes style. No. Uh, the you know, joy is in being engaged with you. And so if yeah. yeah or Dode or his people want something done, we're just going to do it. So I don't know what's going to, uh, what that's all going to be, but I know that God likes working through people who like working with him. And working with God is the most fun you can have, it's the most rewarding thing you can do with your time, even if you have an unlimited amount of time, um, or if you have just 10 years, as we do now. Building a future. Building a future for not only yourself, but for others. And I've said this a lot of times, but um, mental health Mm -hmm. is and genuine happiness, contentment, satisfaction, Mm -hmm. is typically the result of living for something beyond yourself. Devoting yourself to something that is genuinely worthy. Because if you're focused just on yourself and all the aches and pains, I mean, I can tell you a thousand things that, that are aches and pains in my life, and why bother? <laughs> Other than to let you know I'm, you know, like everybody else that God works with, I'm a flawed individual and I have heartaches. But my heartaches have so little effect on what I do and how I think and how I feel and how I act because my focus is on bringing God's people home 
and serving Yahweh and Dod so that they're delighted with the family reunion. Mm-hmm. And in that, there's just this feeling of satisfaction and contentment. What better can you, thing could you do with your time? And so I sure. recommend that to everyone. If you're feeling yeah. down, if you feel like, well, you know, life has, uh, has dealt me a, a bad blow, uh, and I've been there. I'm, I'm, you know, before I began this project, I was publicly crucified in a cover story in a, in a national magazine uh, with nothing but lies. I know what it's yeah. like to be a worm on a hot road, on a uh, run over by every passerby. And mm-hmm. there was a couple of months in there where I didn't think life was worth living. Mm-hmm. And then came this opportunity. And now I have the most fulfilling and rewarding, genuinely happy life that a person could possibly have. So it's all about getting out of yourself and living for something bigger than uh, we are individually. Yeah. Uh, Dode is the perfect example of that. Moshe was a wonderful example Mm -hmm. of that. Sure. So when we... Come to appreciate the subtleties of the Messiah's earliest revelations. There's more ones, two, three, four, these, these early ones. We recognize that he was speaking of fulfilling the Moedim. When mm-hmm. discussing the leadership and the counsel he offered on Zion. That's where he fulfilled them. Everything leads to this conclusion and, and really nothing leads away from it, particularly as we make our way all the way through about the 30th Mismore. There's a reason why there were more psalm scrolls than anything else in the caves above Qumran. Do you know that the largest scroll, I I think it's uh, 80-some feet long and uh, three, four feet tall, is the great uh, psalm scroll? Mm -hmm. And you know that it is the most divergent from the Mesoretic text. I had always thought Yashaya was the most divergent, but no, it's Dode Psalms. The rabbis don't like him very much. And so they've they've done more to change his mismor than anything else. That's a really bad bad play, by the way. You're actually going to generate less ire from the Almighty if you attack him personally than if you besmirch the reputation yeah. and the life of his son. Yeah. That's true. So, yeah, keep that in mind. So I appreciate the way Dode wrote this introduction. He realizes that in spite of his flaws, the characteristics which endeared him to his father, to Yahweh, <laughs> were his intellect, his passion, his courage, his confidence. Oh, Yahweh loves confidence and his character. This capacity to reason, to be judgmental, for him to understand and then brilliantly write the insights he derived from the Torah is what distinguished him. God's not looking for faith. He's not looking for belief. He's certainly not looking to be worshipped. He's hoping that we come to know and by making the right connections and being judgmental, we come to understand And for those who understand, his goal is for us to teach others. 
Mm-hmm. That is our life. These attributes are endowed a really special place. One which is so spectacular, Dode wants us to know that it was by father and son working together that so much was accomplished. The seventh refrain and the second mismore, which means a song or lyrics to a song, reads, I will choose to account for proclaiming in writing the decree and prescription for living of the Almighty, which Yahweh said to me, You are my son. This day I bring you forth as your father. I get irritated when rabbis say, uh, there is no son of God, there's no term son of God anywhere, uh, that would be uh, interspecies anyway, so prohibited by, uh, by God. Ridiculous. And you've got no clue who Yahweh is. You've got no clue what the covenant's about. You've got no clue what the relationship that Yahweh formed with this man. And you've got no clue that what he said to Dode, you are my son, this day I bring you forth as your father, he will say to every covenant member. Although there will be lots of daughters in there too. (laughs) That's what our father is going to say to us. You are my son. You are my daughter. This day, I bring you forth as your father. Dode was just the first. Dode was just the best. He was the exemplar. He's the one who made it possible for God to say it to the rest of us because Mm -hmm. he volunteered to fulfill Pesach, Matzah, and Bakodam, opening the doorway to eternal life, perfecting us, so that we could be adopted into God's family. That's the message. There is a Son of God. God is the Father of Dode. And Dode is not bashful in saying so. I will choose to account for proclaiming in writing, which he did here in Mismore 2.7 the decree and prescription for living because he made it possible by fulfilling with Yahweh, Pesach, Matzah, and Bakodam of the Almighty Yahweh said to me, you are my son, this day I bring you forth as your father. You know what that day was? Bakodam. You're 4,000, yeah. I bring you forth as your father. Dode was called the Bakor, the firstborn of Yahweh, because he fulfilled Bakorum. Mm-hmm. And this works the same for us. We don't have to endure what he endured to fulfill Pesach and Matzah. He volunteered to have the two most hellacious 24-hour periods in human history. Mm-hmm. Because 
there's an eternity to celebrate what he has done for us. Okay. <laughs> well, I can't imagine what he suffered for those to fulfill those two days. I can see the pride in both father and son's eyes to have this said. <laughs> he earned it. He deserves our yeah, respect. Mm-hmm. And we can capitalize upon him on it. The worst thing we could possibly do is to disrespect this gift. For him to have done this, for Yahweh to have said it, and for people to say, no, nah, I'm, not, I'm not buying that Passover is anything more than what was celebrated in Egypt, and we're going to turn Passover into a seven-day holiday because we really don't like the, uh, the, the intent of matzah anyway. It sounds like you know, God is anti-religious. You know? He's trying to scrub the religion out of people. Well, that's true. He is. A powerful line. It defines who Dode is and Yahweh's overall plans, what he can do for us, what our God will do for us. Feel free to ask questions about this. Seek to learn the answers because literally out of me and from me, there will be an inherited share of the land of nations that will be given to you and to excessive, successive generations, even unto the distant reaches of the earth, perhaps even the entire material realm becoming your property. Well, this happens when he returns, and the only ones left are Yahweh's covenant family. And at that point, we inherit the earth. And we inherit it because of what Father and Son did to us, for us. Mm-hmm. Even the distant reaches of the earth, and perhaps even the entire material realm, which would be the universe, becoming your property. Mm-hmm. Now, God's in a position to give it to us. It's all his. He created the universe. Mm-hmm. You know, it's registered under his name. And what he is saying is because of what... Dode and, and he accomplished together mm-hmm. by fulfilling Pesach, Matzah, and Bakurim, and will accomplish through Kaporim, that he is in a position to give his children this magnificent inheritance. And we, as God's children, inherit the universe. That's why I said it's our home on Zion, too. Mm-hmm. It's our universe, too. God didn't create it to covet it. He didn't create it to keep it. He created it to give it away. Mm-hmm. I just love this. Feel free to ask questions. Seek to learn the <laughs> answers. Literally out of me and from me, there will be this inherited share to be given to you and to successive generations, even into the distant reaches of the earth. And this occurs beginning on Yom Kippur, I'm in year 6,000 Yah, October 2nd, 622 p.m. as the sun sets in Jerusalem in year 33, 2033, uh, which is the 120th celebration of the Yobel from the time that Adam and Chawa were 
exiled from Eden, and the entire earth will be returned to those conditions. So this is a return to Eden so that five days later we can camp out together on this garden of an earth. Can't wait. I'm, yep, I'm hoping that there will be uh, some uh, 70,000 Yehudim and Goyim so who too. will be awaiting Yahweh's return, looking up uh, and, uh, and watching God return with the one whom was pierced for our benefit. Um, I, watching him anoint the mercy seat of the covenant, watching Yahweh eyes as he sees such pride in his son as he is so thrilled to have all the annoyance gone and this wonderful family gathered to receive him no more waters of Mirabah no more golden calves no more religions no more conspiracies no more politics we all settle down and live together as God originally intended but this time we don't have the limits of physical bodies. This time, we are light energy and can explore every nuance of this universe, all of which is off limits to us as physical beings, all of which is immediately accessible as uh, energy-based beings. So isn't it marvelous I mean, what, what our shepherd has done for his sheep? So Doe really? wrote the uh, second Mismore Psalm. So this was said of him and by him. From God's perspective, and that's the only one that really matters in this regard, Dode is Yahweh's son. <laughs> Yahweh is Dode's father. And if you don't think so, then you're calling God a liar. Bad idea. And as Yahweh's most beloved, his firstborn, Dode David, will be receiving the lion's share of his father's inheritance. But Dode's going to give it away. (laughs) But it is a lovely way, though, to reward uh, the son who did so much for his people. And you know, uh, quite frankly, possession um, doesn't mean much uh, to me. Uh, you know, from a different point of view, I always said when I owned uh, fast airplanes and uh, big boats uh, that uh, my friends who had access to ride with me on the said fast airplane and big boats uh, we're in a much better position than I was because they didn't have to pay for them or learn to uh, take care of them or be burdened by their cost. That it is and much better to have a friend that has really cool stuff. Well, we've got a friend that's got really, really cool stuff, and he's, we're actually related to him. And so I yeah. would much prefer that Dode uh, keeps control of much of the universe, and we just get to go visit these things and enjoy them because that's all joy without responsibility. So, you have been there, done that. Um, I, that's why I can tell you that uh, before we read these many hundreds of, of prophecies, speaking of the role that we're uh, engaged in and all of the various titles and names that Yahweh 
uses to describe what we're doing. Uh, I was a lot happier as a uh, as Yada with uh, only the opportunity but no responsibility. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the ultimate cool spot to be in. Yeah. But um, sometimes so you're doing all the work right now. So sometimes yeah. somebody needs to be responsible. Dode is a responsible party. I mean, look at Moshe. He was the responsible party. It was, yeah. uh, and he never complained. It was a wonderful job, but he was responsible, and uh, that's that's what we're looking forward to with uh, Dode as we uh, as we move forward. But it goes uh, deeper, you know. It's it's. Um, uh, it's not just that uh, Yahweh is returning, but he's returning to establish the kingdom of Dode. Uh, that's not a democracy. Democracy is is uh, is a concept that's misunderstood and uh, and really not in anyone's interest. Um, yeah. We will have free will. The best thing of all is to have free will and to have a benevolent leader. Makes sense. But it goes far beyond and deeper than this because it was Ayawa's Bakur, firstborn, who could properly experience the Mikra of Bakurim following his fulfillment of Pesach and Matzah. Collectively, these Moedim provide Yahweh's prescription for living. And in this case, by serving as the sacrificial soul during Chag Matzah, Dode was in a position to offer his people their inheritance. And this is why uh, I think the me, while it could be Yahweh speaking, I think it's much more likely that the me is Dode. And I think that's Mm -hmm. why Yahweh wanted him to convey it that way. And Mm -hmm. I want you to be aware that Yahweh is recognizing his son. And you can tell by the tone of Yahweh's voice, this is my son, and I'm bringing him forth this day as, as, as his father. Yahweh's proud mm-hmm. of what Dode volunteered to do. He's proud of his son, and he should be. More of us should be. As is the case elsewhere in the second Mizmor Psalm, we find irrefutable proof that though David is the son of God and Yahweh's Messiah. It both were stated in the psalm. Uh, and just as it is presented in Yashaya 9, it is Yahweh who is offering his son to us. Further, when we look back to the previous statement, this day is directed towards what occurred when Dode led the way home on Zion as he fulfilled these first mm-hmm. uh, three Mikre, four counting Shabua in your 4,000 Yah. In fact, the very reason Yahweh made this declaration this way, saying that I will bring you forth as your father assisting you, is so that we would come to appreciate how these Psalms and Yashayah's, Isaiah's prophecies, literally work hand in hand, uh, hand in glove, if you will. One explains the other, working together to frame the perfect picture. So how 
with this written so clearly, with Dode being the Son of God and Dode being the Messiah, lyrics right here in the second Mizmor, where Dode is explaining how important what he has done is to our salvation. Were Christians able and willing to fool so many people by transferring these titles and accolades to a myth and depriving Dode of the credit to what he has done? And depriving him of the credit is a really big deal because mm-hmm. it deprives billions of the benefit. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what Dode did, you can't benefit from what he did. And if somebody tells you it was this myth and misnomer that was actually yeah. this person, then you can't capitalize on what Dode did. And even the, in the myth, there's no mm-hmm. fulfillment of Pesach, of Matzah and Bakotam. Dode was written out. The Mikre were written out. Yahweh was written out. The covenant was written out. Salvation was written out in Christianity. And the same thing occurred in Judaism. Dode is the Messiah was written out. They're looking for an unnamed Messiah. Still. There's no one in uh, Judaism that's expecting Dode to return as king. Mm -mm. They've written him out of their lives. And so, by doing so, they've written salvation out of their lives. So, (laughs) the very reason that this picture was put together, this proclamation was made, is so that we could confidently trust everything Dode has to say about Yahweh, his Torah, covenant, about Yahuda and Yisrael, especially about the Mikre. He knows what it means to be observant and understand what God is offering and expects in return. When we understand the kind of familiar relationship Yah and Dode experienced and exemplified, we know what we, ourselves, can come to enjoy because the same kind of relationship is being offered to us, father and child, the same bond that Dode established with God. Well, that's probably a good place for us to end this evening. I'm sorry to have ducked out on you for a a moment or two. Thank you for filling in. Um, This is a a wonderful discussion. I just... To know uh, Dode is to love him. To know Yahweh is to uh, love him. And these two, boy, did they have a love affair. And yeah. it behooves us to understand what it was about Dode that made him so special. Yeah. Who he was. What his attributes were. Um, what his failings were. What he achieved. And I don't think there's anyone in 3,000 years other than what we are have learned and are sharing and have written and recognize that Dode is the Messiah and the Son of God who fulfilled the first four Moed Mikre, Pesach, Matzah, Bakotam, and Shabuah, and how he did so and why he did so, and that Teruah is all about heralding his return, which will be to fulfill 
Yom Kippurim so that he becomes the king of Sukkah. Mm -hmm. I don't think you're going to find that anywhere else in the world. I guarantee you. And this is the essential message for God's people. This is what God is calling you home to. So please listen. Well, thank you, Kirk thank you. and Dave, for all that you are, are doing and for being part of this program. And thank you, uh, everyone in the Covenant family, for listening. And I hope that this message also resonates with Yisrael. And I hope that there are more Yisraelites that go on to, um, to Amazon. Uh, it's royalty-free, so I'm not trying to sell anything. But if there are hundreds and then thousands of Israelites sitting with this. It's a beautiful uh, white book, both, both paperbacks. I prefer the paperbacks to the hardback, but they're, they're both, uh, they're big books. They're 800 uh, pages long, but they're beautiful books. They've uh, got a, uh, a green Islamic green snake on the, uh, the cover. The uh, GDR goddamn religion one is called snake. Um, and the GDR2, Goddamn Religion 2, is, is called uh, Satanic. Uh, and they are powerful. But they're not the only ones. Yes. Um, read uh, An Introduction to God, particularly Volume 1. Uh, read the first five volumes of Yada Yahweh so you know exactly what God is offering and expecting in return. Uh, you'll find such joy if you read observations and such purpose if you read Coming Home. And sometimes it's, a, it's important to know what's not true so that you can differentiate. And, and that's why we wrote the books on Babel, to disprove so much of, uh, of Daniel, although some of it is, uh, is accurate, is that Dode is Gabriel, um, as well as... Um, uh, the uh, refutation of Ezekiel, which is Satan's autobiography. These things are important. It's also important to be able to understand why Christianity is completely wrong and reading uh, uh, Questioning Paul. So there's a lot there. I think 33 books uh, by the time we finish uh, the four volumes of Goddamn Religion. That's it's like a lifetime, isn't it? Um, yeah. <laughs> all, all done and uh, be done in all 23 years by the time uh, that's finished and then it's on to complete uh, coming home 3 and hopefully coming home 4 and, and uh, we get the great joy of joining a wonderful remnant of Yisrael as we look up to Yahweh and to his son as they return to Jerusalem just, uh, well, less than 10 years from now. I did see a full moon, so we are, uh, we're getting close to, to uh, Pesach and Matzah uh, as well. Um, so uh, we look forward to celebrating those dates with you. May God bless. And uh, good night, and be, uh, be at peace with your God, Yisrael. Good night, y'all. Shabbat shalom. Good night, Craig. Good night, Craig. I enjoyed it tonight. Shabbat shalom. Good night. Good night. Very much. Thank you.